there was a real sense of satisfaction. <laughs> I, I can remember sitting back in my chair after actually hitting an intro post right on the money and going, yes, you know, that sounded awesome. Mm -hmm. And those many victories in the, the broadcast battle are things of yesteryear. You know, it's all folklore now. Welcome back to the interview podcast on the Wine Millbank Podcast Network from Millbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. Whymillbank.com is our website. Whymillbank at gmail.com is the email address. If you want to help support the show or just check it out and see what shows come out of this podcast studio, go to whymillbank.com, click on the podcast button, and they're all there along with a donate button. If you want to help support the show and make it even better, continue the conversations that we have with people around the world. And conversations they are, let me tell you, today... <laughs> This is a, a special treat for me because, um, just for a brief moment here, uh, the <laughs> the narrator of my childhood, <laughs> Rick Stevens, from uh, the general manager from K Light Radio KYTTFM out of Coos Bay, Oregon, uh, is so kind enough to give us a little bit of time this afternoon. They are in the middle of a. Uh, a crazy time at this, the station they're at. They, for some reason, their transmitter is down. So uh, he's got a tight window here, but uh, he's gracious to give us some time while he's waiting for people to show up. Uh, Rick Stevens has been the voice of radio for me growing up, and I'm so excited to have him here. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation we have with Rick. Enjoy. Rick Stevens, uh, K Light, have you been there your Correct. whole career? Uh, no. the The short answer to that is no. The uh, to to drill down on that a little bit, I started in radio in Spokane, Washington, in 1981. Uh, yeah, okay. So I was broad... two. <laughs> <laughs> now I really feel nice. old. Yeah. So uh, just. A little sidebar, mm -hmm. I am uh, was slash am a musician. So when it came to the realization that uh, that wasn't going anywhere <laughs> until I could make a living out of, I decided nice. to use my love of music to get into radio. All right. And so started in broadcasting at a station called KMBI in Spokane in 1981. Worked there for a year and then went to uh, Boise, Idaho. I worked at a radio station in Boise for a year and then uh, was offered the program director position at KYTT here in Coos Bay, which uh, I moved here in 83. All right. That's, that's why uh, you are the voice of my childhood <laughs> because yes, I was just old yeah, enough. From when you were four. To, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't know back then. <laughs> Perfect. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And it's rare. I'll tell you, it is rare for a person to stay in the same market their entire career or virtually their entire uh -huh. career. But that's uh, that's what I've had the opportunity to do. And it's been absolutely a blessing. So yeah. have, have you been in the Christian radio world the whole time? Yeah. Um, every station that I've been at has been a contemporary Christian format. Mm -hmm. I did take a, a two-year leave of absence in the mid-80s and went as a missionary to Manila in the Philippines okay. with with Far East Broadcasting Company, which is an international shortwave. Like? Oh, dude, it was <laughs> – it 
it was life changing mm-hmm. on, on a on, on a lot of different uh, levels. One, I was I was single at the time, so uh, you know I had a ton of freedom, uh, which you know in hindsight I look back now and I think had I been married probably would not have done that just mm-hmm. because of some of the cultural uh, nuances that were there. Um, but also just to get a, a broader perspective of of how radio as a communication entity mm-hmm. can impact people cross-culturally. It, it, it revolutionized the way that I view radio, for sure. So you've been in it a long time. Yeah. You have seen yeah. the, you, you've seen the change, the move from analog to a digital HD radio and then to satellite radio and then to this interweb concept. I mean, the, what we're doing now on my end, uh, I, I like to yeah. call it the golden age of radio or the new golden age of radio <laughs> yeah. at the podcast world yeah. because it is that thing that um, it's on demand. You go get it. You know, it doesn't get fed to you. I don't have to worry about someone's schedule to tune in. Um, what has that done to, to the traditional radio world? Uh, it's not linear. So okay. um, there's a lot of answers to that question. It, it, it's not like we can take a timeline and say, this is the trajectory of how these changes have impacted communications Mm -hmm. because some would argue and i might find myself in this camp that what you're doing is not radio um it'd be more Mm -hmm. by traditional definition radio we view of as a terrestrial broadcast you know where where uh, a signal is transmitted and another receiver would pick it up um Mm -hmm. over AM or FM. So, I mean, that's in a traditional sense. I think that's how a lot of old timers like myself yeah. would view radio. Uh, now that's not to minimize anything of what podcasters are doing or what internet broadcasters are doing, but just for uh, purpose of definition, you know, I would not call uh, internet stream radio per se. So would, but, would a decent comparison be, um, the same comparison with a, a traditional newspaper and the blog. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Okay. I, I would say that's, yeah, that's a parallel. So, but back to the first component of your question, uh, when I first started, uh, everything was done live and in studio. So when, you know, when a, when a broadcaster, when a disc jockey was given, an air shift, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people view that term DJ with disdain, man. I love it. I, I mean, there's pictures of me in my early days. Like it's all hands on deck. I yeah. mean, you've got your feet and your hands moving. And uh, it, so, and nowadays you just click a mouse, but back then uh, you would take like uh, a crate of LPs mm-hmm. and three by five card file and you would go into the control room, and maybe if you were uh, privileged enough to work at a radio station where they had a teletype newswire, you could go to the teletype and and rip off the newswire feed for entertainment news for that day. Otherwise, you were, you know, you were resigned to looking through Time Magazine or People Magazine <laughs> or in our industry CCM Magazine, oh, yeah. you know, to find articles and news and information mm-hmm. about artists that you wanted to share between songs, but. Um, you know, so it was very labor intensive back then, but there was a, 
there was a real sense of accomplishment and satisfaction when you would queue up a record and you realize that in order for it to get for that disc to get up to speed <laughs> yep. when you pressed go on the turntable you had to you cue it back just a little bit a lot like what mm-hmm. dance djs do right now yep. you know and so when you hit a segue or you had a, an announcement that hit the post just on i mean there was a real sense of satisfaction <laughs> i i can remember sitting back in my chair after actually hitting an intro post right on the money and going yes you know that sounded awesome mm-hmm. and those those many victories in the the broadcast battle are things of yesteryear you know it's all folklore now because everything's automated mm-hmm. and people yeah. voice track and so anyway so um, was it a better product back then great question is that the wrong way to ask that uh no no that's a that's a good way to ask it and i would say that the answer to that question definitely falls on the ear of the listener you know because mm-hmm. uh, i think i think broadcasters sometimes we um we romanticize uh things of old and would say you know the yeah the yesteryear was better when maybe it wasn't maybe it was just because we were younger or more energetic or whatever the case may be i think that the product today can definitely sound as good or better uh, technology has enabled us to have a lot greater clarity with signal strength and mm-hmm. and things of that nature. But the uh, the idea of actually engineering a show and being responsible for all of the different elements of what your what your broadcast time consisted of, being hands on in that, uh, it was you. I, I guess to say. Uh, if the broadcast sounded good, it was largely to your credit. And if it sucked, it was largely <laughs> as a result fault. of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the standard hour block, you know, the way that's built in old time radio. And, uh, um, yeah. Uh, oh man. Oh, KGRV in Winston AM 700. Yeah. 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 So we grew up yep. with that. Uh, and I remember as a kid, yeah. we got to tour that. And that was kind of my first, okay view into the, the how the sausage gets made and i was i don't know if i was 10 oh or 11 i don't know how old i was um and so from then on i have loved the back end of production and so i've, yes. I've been a sound engineer most of my life and, and i mean i mix at church i have forever um and i love the back end of radio the thing that i don't love is the time constraint and the old some of the the infrastructure that i think hampers a little bit you know you've got the clock that you got to hit i mean that's an art in and of itself yeah. like you said when you nail yeah. that right it's yeah. that sense of accomplishment you nailed it um yep but that that's kind of been the same for a long time that model right yeah. that top of the hour yeah. bottom of the hour you've got some rules yep. in there um yeah will that ever go away or is that just that's that's the way it's going to be yeah well what you're doing right now is definitely forcing uh an analysis of whether there's a demand for it Mm -hmm. because like you said i mean the the traditional uh broadcast uh hour would would consist of a news break Mm -hmm. right at the top of the hour well do people really want news from the radio anymore when you can 
when you know you can open an app or you can listen to uh, a podcast or you know get it on demand anytime you want it is it necessary to have mm-hmm. that stop down set at the top of the hour for news and that's a question that we debate you know uh the other what we would call musical interruptions in a standard terrestrial broadcast hour would be for either commercial uh, a commercial break or uh an underwriter announcement if it's a non-commercial station um, <laughs> you mean and, and, advertising <laughs> yes yes gotcha. advertising right yeah <laughs> and you know and, and here's the thing uh, on a, a station like ours uh-huh. which is locally owned independent we're not are, are you guys there's are no independent hard... still? oh yeah really yeah in fact yeah just earlier this morning i had a a meeting with the board of directors that consisted of the owners of the license. Wow. And the, yeah. So that can't be easy to maintain. Sorry. I'll rabbit trail. Keep going. Sorry. Let's circle back around Mm -hmm. to that though, because we are a dinosaur for sure. But uh, back to the question of, you know, the, the actual broadcast Mm -hmm. hour and the clock, we have flexibility where a lot of network stations would not uh, insofar as like we don't have to break for a commercial segment at a given specific time. We, we can go whenever we feel like it um, because we essentially write the roadmap for that broadcast day. Other the than the top of the hour, right? Yeah. And that even has some flexibility. Really? I mean, the FC, the FCC mandates that the stations identify mm-hmm. themselves by their call letters at the top of the hour. And that doesn't mean it has to be on the second. Excuse me, within a minute, but right? Has, Is that kind of where they yeah, think somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. And even then there's some flexibility, okay. but you're right back to the, uh, the adage that news has to happen at the top of mm-hmm. the hour, you know, n- news at, at the top and bottom or whatever it is that that is driven by demand. And okay. so if the demand ceases to be there, then I'm sure that people will reconsider that. I've been, uh, <clears throat> every morning I drive my son, he's 14 to his work at five 30 in the morning. And so I listen to their lo- local um, public radio, and yeah. it's interesting because you know they're they're public radio, so they don't have the same, you know, uh, constraints. However, they still have that top of the hour piece, and yeah. it's interesting that th- usually the information that comes at that fifty-five minute mark is fluff. It's like okay, we're yep. done now. We got to waste a bunch of time. That's weird to me because I'm in the car at that moment. I would like something of substance, but no, because your clock is different than mine. You're going to give me a lot of just nonsense because you're waiting for the top of the hour. (laughs) How does that work? (laughs) Well, let me shed a little different perspective. Okay. And that is that uh, while it it may be considered fluff from the listener's (laughs) perspective sometimes um, or or fill-in material, Mm -hmm. The only reason that it's there at all is if if the material in the preceding 55 minutes didn't fill the whole hour. Ah, so okay. what, what I what I have, you know, like on our morning show, for example, if I have guests scheduled, um, like we'll just say we have some artists, you know, on the phone. And if those phone interviews are solid gold and yeah, I mean, we're just diving deep into a topic then everything that I had planned for that last five to 10 minutes of the hour, that is, uh, you know, it's debatable whether that's going to happen or not. Mm-hmm. And, and I have that as, as it's like fallback uh, material. It's, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So All again, right. it depends on how, how good the initial content <laughs> was. Yeah. That's fascinating. 
How has yeah. um, Christian music changed in the multiple decades you've been doing this? Because you guys well, have always can, been contemporary Christian, right? Yeah, yeah. So I can answer that on a couple of different fronts. One, uh, sonically, I think the, the music is light years ahead of where it was. Mm-hmm. You know, the early, the early days of contemporary Christian music when production values were nominal and there just wasn't a whole lot uh, in the marketplace for contemporary Christian music. Uh, the the uh, criticism of the production value of CCM music was justified. Uh, that's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, having said that, there's a lot of music that is uh, being marketed as CCM music that, in my opinion, really doesn't accurately reflect what the heart of a of a Jesus follower and a real disciple is after. Um, there's a lot of formulaic uh, songwriting that is out there right now where you have bands and artists that have seen commercial success from other artists. And so we just want to, <laughs> yeah. you know, want to, I don't know, duplicate that mm-hmm. and see. And I'm not trying to judge the intent of the heart. I'm just saying that, man, the days of an artist really pouring out their heart toward the Lord in music, um, th- th- those artists are are rare anymore. So being independent like you guys are, do you um, do you have to go through record labels for access to music, or has that changed also? We do. Uh, we don't have to, but over the span of my career, I've had the privilege of developing good relationships with uh, a lot of the mainstream record company representatives. Mm-hmm. So I receive uh, new releases from most if not all of the record companies on a regular basis but we also love to provide opportunity for unsigned independent up-and-coming artists you know who may not have label support i'll i'll give a listen to their product as well and see you know if it's something that we might consider adding because there's a lot mm-hmm. of great unsigned independent artists out there that actually are providing music that you know is filling a need yeah. Well, and yeah. there's a lot that used to be on a label and then have left a label because of the political nature and, you know, a yeah. lot of the, the controls that they didn't want to have to deal with. And with the advent of really high-end computers for not much money and great recording software, yeah. some of these bands and artists can produce their own content. But distribution is the – used to be – I mean, if you didn't get radio play, you had nothing. You're right. That's not. Yeah. That's no longer the case, is it? Or not to the same degree? Well, it all depends on what your goal is. I mean, if the goal is the proliferation of your music uh, for the marketplace mm-hmm. to try to sell as many units as you can or get your song you know, in some sort of a playlist on Spotify or distributed through Pandora or something like that, then you really do need to have exposure, which certainly radio is helpful for. Mm. Um, but if your goal is to write and produce great art and make it available for a community of like-minded people, then you're right. You don't need radio airplay yeah. for that. And there's, there's a lot of communities where that is happening, which is really pretty cool. Do you, um, so, so you guys fully schedule your 24 hours. Like you, you guys have control. You, you're not syndicated. You don't go get, 
syndicated content for any of yeah, those hours, correct? correct? <clears throat> yeah, uh, for the most part. I mean, we do still air a few syndicated programs, long-form teaching programs, okay. like Focus on the Family right, and yep. some Bible some Bible teaching programs from local pastors. But that notwithstanding, all of the rest of our programming content mm-hmm. is local origination or music that we have uh, curated put into. So you guys yeah. are building these playlists. Yeah. Yeah, See, that absolutely. is so cool. Yeah. We have a small radio station in our town, um, and it's the, the morning six hours or so are all live and local. After that, it flips over to a syndication from somewhere else. And it's, yeah. it's like 80s, 70s, 80s music and whatever. But it's kind of a bummer because unless you are there in the morning, you don't get any, any local content. And that's one yeah. of the cool parts about local radio is that local that local real touch with someone. So that's why it's, it's fascinating yep. that you're still doing that 40 yep. years later. It all, yep, it all originates right here. Now, having said that, full disclosure, we do utilize voice tracking technology for certain parts of uh, our, our announcer blocks. So for example, like I still do the morning show live mm-hmm. uh, come middays, even though all the, all the music originates locally, all of the promotional announcements. I, I have our midday team of Brant Hansen and his sidekick, Sherry. I don't know if you've ever heard of Brant and Sherry. Phenomenal show. Anyway, they're, they actually live in Florida, but they voice track for us. Really? So, yeah, their content is uh, created daily. Mm-hmm. It's uploaded to an FTP site daily. We download it. We play it with our own music, with our own intros and outros. So it sounds to the listener like it's happening right here. Yeah. But it actually was pre-recorded in Florida. Now, that's so, not a new phenomenon, is it? No. Voice tracking has been yeah. around for quite some time. And it does. it, it is a, a differentiation from syndication because what you were describing earlier is a switch flipped where all of the programming yeah. – originates at another location and basically that local station just serves as a transmitter yep and yeah we we don't do any of that that's cool how has, yeah. how has technology it, changed over the years like the computer well, systems d- and automation all that is that yeah is, is that better is it still kind of yeah no i i i think it's i think it's better i mean it we have an automation system that essentially is bulletproof i mean it's all garbage in, garbage out. So once, if if the data is entered correctly, and the mm-hmm. right files are where they're supposed to be, and who is ever doing the programming has done what they're, you know, done the way that they're supposed to, then each element of the programming uh, stream mm-hmm. is going to sound flawless. And it would take it take an announcer who was. <laughs> You know, at the height of his game in order to pull that off yeah. live. So, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Um, so you've been in Coos Bay since the 80s. Uh, 1983. Used, yeah, man. Yeah. You used to do more, was it a morning show with, with David D? Yeah, David D. Andrew. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, do you do anything with him anymore? He's- uh, actually, we see each other periodically. He still lives here, but uh, he is... He is actually a highly sought after voiceover actor. Well, he does a pretty dynamite Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yes, he does. He does. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think it's probably been 15 years ago or so. Dave uh, left the radio station, left me heartbroken, left me oh. at the altar. Oh. Uh, and then he he launched, you know, this this voice actor career. And man, he's been on just dozens and dozens of A-list company wow. advertising. So he has the pipes for sure. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, the situation yeah. just back here yeah. to, no, to, to, to K light, I, I, I just want to give a, a shout out to local owners. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I don't know if you lost my video there yeah, or not, back, but anyway, okay. Um, because they've made it possible for me to raise my family here That's to, so cool. I, I have three, I have three kids. All three are married. I have eight grandkids and they're all right here. And for, for one guy, you know, one just local radio guy to be able to have the bulk of his career in one place, mm-hmm. make a, make a living where I can raise my family and all my kids and grandkids are right here, man, it's, it's a rarity and it's heaven. And I, I'm very thankful to God, first of all, for making that possible. And also to, uh, the owners of the radio station for believing in me to the extent that they would keep me on for 37 <laughs> years, you know, long yeah. time. So, uh, when yeah. you're done, <clears throat> what happens next? I mean, in in, in from, that for for that radio station. I mean, it is yeah. it is it built around Rick Stevens? Because it kind of is. I mean, at some level. Wow. I mean, yeah. I hope not. I mean, I, thank you for that. And I and I we in fact earlier today we talked secession. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it's a realistic issue. I mean. Yeah. I'm a few years away from retirement. I'm 62, you know, so oh, but I still love what I do. <laughs> yeah. But there will come a time down the yeah. road where that's got to happen. And um, radio is an entity where I, I believe that there's still some awesome days ahead for it with localization. Mm-hmm. But the number of the number of people getting into radio broadcasting as a career field right now are, are fewer and fewer all the time. Why is that? Because they're doing things. Well, uh, they're doing, it, it's very, it's limited in what it can offer. Whereas what you're doing right now uh, has just a plethora of opportunity. Radio is what it is. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are choosing communications per se, but the broadcast spectrum is finding fewer and fewer young people that are selecting that as a career field do you think part of that is the the not monopolization but i mean the big boys are buying up consolidation yeah that's the right word yeah uh is is that a big part of it so then we we have one talent and they manage all of these markets yeah you're exactly right and we're seeing now we're seeing the uh the negative fallout from the decision what 15 20 years ago from the FCC to allow broader consolidation mm-hmm. of broadcast frequencies. So like in Coos Bay, where we are right now, we have one frequency, we are, you know, K-Lite. Uh, there's another entity by Coastal that owns seven radio stations. Mm. Uh, and, and in a community of our size, you know, that that's a, not a level playing field right. when it comes to like advertising and marketing and things of that nature. So, yeah, that is definitely... Uh, well, from my perspective, again, mm-hmm. being an independent, yep. it's not been beneficial to broadcast in general. Rick, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Um, I know you had to run, but thank you for spending the little bit of time that you had today in the midst of the crazy. Um, 
I love your insight. I love the uh, the perspective that you bring. And again, it's just so cool to actually be able to sit down and and have a conversation with a voice that is so familiar to me from my growing up and uh, childhood. And the fact that you're still there, the same place, uh, working for an independent radio is just phenomenal. So good work. Rick Stevens, K-Lite, uh, K-Y-T-T-F-M in Coos Bay, Oregon. If you're out there, check it out uh, on the interweb. You can find them as well. Thanks a lot. This is the interview. Whymailblank.com. If you want to help support the show, go there, click on the podcast button, and find the donate option. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.